I just want to welcome you all here this morning. I just want to remind you also that today, uh, of all Sunday mornings, is the favorite day of all of our children in our house, because today is the Men Cook Breakfast Day in which we can honor you ladies and thank you for all that you do as mothers and um, you just labor hard as wives, and so it's our chance really to serve you. So if you're visiting with us today, we'd love to have you stay for breakfast. It's a brunch we're going to have, um, and it's going to be a, a great time for that. So that's going to happen after the service. Um, well, let me pray. Father, we are, are thankful, God, to you for giving us of your word, which is for us, God, it is to help us grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ, it's to help us love Him with deeper heart and passion, God, to embrace and understand the, the gospel afresh every Sunday. Thank you that gives us guidance into how to live, into what to believe, and how to walk our, our lives. I would pray this morning, God, you would bless our time in your word. Help us to learn from some things. Help us to be dependent upon you for all of our, our ways and all of our plans. Help us to trust in you for how things work out. Help us to be givers. Help us to have a heart for missions. Help us to be praying people. God, all these things Paul talks about today. We pray you sink them deep into our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few months ago, uh, February 3rd to be exact, um, we had Tim uh, Michelek, Tim and Amy Michelek come and uh, join us. <clears throat> Remember that day? I, I trust, trust many of you do. There's a, a picture right there. And uh, they wrote a letter. Um, this is a, a missionary support letter that they, they've written. I just want to uh, read it for you now. That um, describes what they're planning to do. They're planning to leave here soon within another um, month, I think. Maybe six weeks or so. And they're going off to Thailand to teach in a Christian school there which is fully funded by the nationals of Thailand who want to learn English. And, but it's a distinctly Christian school. It's a, it's a great opportunity. And, and they just write this. They say, greetings in Christ. My name is Tim Michelect. I'm one of the pastors of the Red Brick Church in Stillman Valley, Illinois. My wife Amy and I have three children, Sophie, Moses, and Aaron. To bring the gospel and quality education to Thailand, our church has commissioned us to serve as missionary teachers at International Community School, that's ICS, International Community School in Udon Thani. To maximize our long-term effectiveness, we're raising funds to learn the Thai language before we begin teaching. I graduated with a bachelor's degree in church music and hold a master's degree in both Bible and education. Amy has her bachelor's degree in elementary education. We both served in teaching roles overseas, Amy at ICS in Bangkok, and both of us served at Bible Baptist College of the Caribbean on the island of St. Vincent. For the past four years, I've served as an associate pastor at the Red Brick Church, where I was ordained to gospel ministry. My primary roles have been overseeing the youth, worship, and technology. At ICS, I plan to teach high school Bible classes, coordinate students' ministries, which include after-school Bible studies, spiritual growth, and outreach events, instruct music, and help with technology. Amy plans to teach in the elementary when our children are all in school. Thailand needs a stronger Christian witness and better education. Though missionaries brought Christianity to Thailand in the 1550s, 
less than 1% of the population are Christian, with Buddhism dominating more than 98% of the population. In education, although Thailand has made rapid progress, one-third of 15-year-old students are functionally illiterate. Upon Udon Thainai, where they're going, a metro city of, and this is amazing, a metro city of 430,000 people. How many of you heard of Udon Thanai before? 400,000 people live in this place we've never even heard of. It provides an ideal location for this ICS school to open a new Christian school while being the fastest growing region in Thailand. Udon has no K-12 through international school and only a handful of small gospel-preaching churches. Some missionaries have left Udon because there's no quality education for their children. ICS in Bangkok opened in 1993 with 120 students primarily to provide high-quality Christian education for missionary children. It's grown to a maximum capacity of over 1,000, mostly Buddhist students, and has remained faithful to its Christian mission and core values. And just never underestimate the, the value of what a Christian education can do, uh, even in a secular society like that. The school opens in Udon in August of 2020. That's over a year from now. So we would like to begin learning the Thai in July of 2019. That's two months from now. While the school is conducted completely in English, we've been learning Thai is imperative to our long-term effective involvement with the Thai church and to evangelizing the Thai community. Since ICS will pay a salary, we're only raising money for the year of language school. And we believe we can move to Bangkok and take a year um, of, Thai, of Thai for around $50,000, almost half of which we have already raised. Will you consider supporting us financially with a one-time gift or 12-monthly gift? gifts? Whether or not you are in a position to contribute financially in the short term, we covet your prayers for our long-term ministry. We ask you to pray for our families. We adjust to culture and life in Thailand, as well as for our success with the language and building relationships with our Thai community. If you'd like to be included on our email updates, please sign up on our website or send us an email. We'll be happy to add you to our, our prayer list. So these are, are the Micheleks, and uh, they're, they're leaving soon. And I just want to read that letter to you, because that is a, a missionary support letter. It's a little bit like the book of Romans. It's a missionary support letter. And, and what, what Tim is doing right now is exactly what Paul is doing in, in Rome. Is that he, He's writing this letter to the church in Rome. He says he wants to go to Rome, and then he wants to go beyond there to Spain. But before he goes on, he's got this little side trip to Jerusalem. And, and that's exactly what, what Tim has done. He, he's going to go in July to, off to Thailand. But before then, he would go to us to preach. But he's got some responsibilities down in Stillman Valley before he goes and we're going to see in our text this morning, Romans chapter 15, verses 22 through 33, we'll see how Paul is doing the exact same thing that Tim Michelek, Tim and Amy are, are seeking to do. So if you haven't done so, if you haven't done so already, I invite you to open your Bibles to Romans 15. So we've been just working our way paragraph by paragraph, section by section through uh, Paul's epistle to the Romans. We come this morning to verse 22. If you didn't bring a Bible... It's on page 950 of your pew Bibles. Really encourage you to open it because then you'll be able to follow right along there to, to see what, we're, what we're, we're doing. And we see in this text Paul planning his way and God directing his steps. I want to read these verses to you. Romans chapter 15, 22 through 33. Paul writes, This is the reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you. 
But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I've longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem to bring aid to the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them, For if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in their material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. The title of my message this morning is Paul's Plans. And he lays out his plans nicely in these verses. He plans to visit Rome, as verses 22 through 24 speak about. And then he plans on going on to Spain, as verse 24 and 28 speak about. But before he goes to Rome, he plans to visit Jerusalem first, is what verses 25 through 27 speak about. Summarized nicely in 24 and 25, he says, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. He says, I want to see you in Rome as I pass by you and go to Spain. But before then, I'm going to Jerusalem and then I'll come to Rome and then I'll I'll go on. Paul's really this travel itinerary. Whenever you go on a big trip or a long trip, it's always helpful to have an itinerary, the place where you're going to go and the, the things that you are going to do. And so Paul's itinerary looks like this, Jerusalem, then Rome, and then Spain. And we could take the text in this order, but it's not the order that Paul brings it to us. Paul brings it to us in a little bit different order. He brings it to us in in Rome, and then Jerusalem, and then Spain. There's there's a little bit of a logic to that. So that's how we're going to take it. First first point here this morning, visiting Rome, verses 22 through 24. He says in verse 22, he says, This is the reason why I have often been hindered in coming to you. I mean, the natural question at this point is this. What's what's the reason, Paul? I mean, if he says this reason, what does this refer to? And it has to do with Paul's work. It has to do with the the scope of Paul's work. Back in verse 19, you can see the scope of his work. He says that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled my ministry in the gospel of Christ. Jerusalem was way in the east. Illyricum was way in the west. And so basically, Paul was saying, from east to west, I have fulfilled my ministry. And his ministry, if you think about it, was a vast ministry. I mean, our day and age, you can get about any place in the world in about 24 hours. And yet, for for Paul, to get to the furthest reaches of the world, it was months on a boat. And and Paul's ministry just just expanded months out. Huge ministry. His, His influence was vast. Um, And what he did, he took several missionary journeys, chronologued in the book of Acts, and every missionary journey kind of had a, had a bigger circle and just kept getting broader and broader and wider and wider. And in fact, you could look at it from the east he's going, he's going to the west, further west, further west, further west. And, and now Paul finally feels like 
like his work is done in these regions. He says in verse 19 that, that he has fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. He's, he's like done in these regions. Now, it's not that everyone has heard the gospel, certainly in those regions, but it is to say that Paul has, has spread out his ministry enough that he's able to continue on, able to continue on, on west. And, and I think of um, the American doctrine in the early days of our country. It's called Manifest Destiny. It's where our founding fathers arrived on the east coast of America, and they had this vast west, right, all, all before them. And as they continued their, to create their influence, expand their influence, they always went west because they were always more west, always more west, until they finally reached the golden shores of California, the promised land, as my wife would say. The saying in America was this, go west, young man. And that's exactly what Paul Paul did, right? The West in America is where opportunity was, where the, the unsettled expanses lay before the young man in America. Let's call upon every American, the destiny of every American, right? To go West and tame the wilderness. And so likewise, the ministry of the Apostle Paul, you can track his ministry. You discover he had continual westward expansion, beginning with his conversion to Damascus up in Syria, and, and then he visited Jerusalem, settled in Antioch, and then from Antioch, he just, he just went out. Uh, further and further, went to the island of Cyprus, which is west, went, went a little north to the Galatian regions, and then to Asia Minor, and then to Macedonia and Achaia, and reaching as far as Illyricum in the far west. That, that, was, that was his missionary progress. That was his missionary journey. He says, I just need to go further west, is basically what he was saying. And that further west was Rome, further west than he'd ever gone before, in fact. And the reason was because his work was done. Look at verse 23. He says, but now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. Paul's dream for years had been to visit Rome. I mean, from the beginning of his letter of Romans, he made this clear. You turn back in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. You you can see it here that that he longed to go to Rome. Chapter 1, verse 9 For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow, by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I have often intended to come to you, but thus far have been presented prevented in order that i may reap some harvest among you as well as among the rest of the gentiles i'm under obligation both to the greeks and to the barbarians both to the wise and the foolish so i'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in rome and for many years paul's paul's vision and his desire was to visit rome he prayed often as verse one says of chapter one always in my prayer asking that somehow by god's will i may now at last succeed in coming to you in verse 13, it says that he, he often intended to go to them. But according to verse 13, he had been prevented. This is a classic illustration of, of God's will, of how God's will works in our lives. Uh, Proverbs 16, verse 9 is, is the best thing to do, best verse regarding that. It says, the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. Paul had been planning and thinking and dreaming if by God's will that might happen. But God was establishing his steps. He was directing his steps and preventing him from going to Rome yet. But it seems like perhaps 
in God's will, at last his dreams may become a reality. And you can see that God's will in verse 10, always in my prayers, asking somehow by God's will that I may at last succeed in coming to somehow he will. And eventually, according to verse 15 then, he may reach Rome where he's been eager to preach the gospel, longing for that gospel to go forth in Rome. And you think about the gospel, right? He longed to preach the gospel to those in Rome. He longed to, to tell those in Rome of their sin that they've fallen short of the glory of God and are under the wrath of God. He longed to tell those who are in Rome of the salvation that God has provided by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. He longed to instruct those in Rome of the sanctification that always follows salvation. When God saves us, He saves us to change us. It may be slow and painful at times, but He does that. But yet, despite the discouragements of our sanctification, Paul longed to explain to the believers in Rome how secure they were in Christ all under the sovereignty of God who initiated their salvation and brought it to pass. Paul longed to put forth to those in Rome the responsibility then to serve the body and to serve the greater good, and even here to serve and help in missions endeavors. That's what Paul wrote in the book of Romans. He wrote about sin and salvation and sanctification, security and sovereignty and service. That's a gospel message he was eager to preach in Rome as his ministry expanded westward. He, he preached the gospel in the east, and it filled it up. His work was done. And now he's heading west. As Paul says in verse 23 of Romans. But now, since I no longer have room in these regions. And since I have longed for many years to come to you. But now, since I, I'm sorry, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain. However, before he visits Rome. And before he goes on to Spain. He had a side trip. He had a side trip to Jerusalem. And this is my second point. Verses 25 through 27. He's visiting Rome as his plan, but before he gets to Rome, he's got to visit Jerusalem. Verse 25. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. <clears throat> for Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. His trip to Jerusalem was a humanitarian effort. The Christians in Jerusalem were facing hard times, and he was ready to bring in some financial assistance from the other churches, the Gentile churches. And he's going to Jerusalem really to help them financially in their poverty. Now, in preparation for his trip to Jerusalem, Paul had written a number of churches and asked them to take up some offerings for the church in Jerusalem and, and take them up before he got there so that when he got there, an offering wouldn't have to be taken up. That's what he said in 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches in Galatia, so I also do to you. On the first day of every week, that is Sunday, each one of you is to put aside and store it up as he may prosper, so there'll be no collection when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredited by letter to carry the gift to Jerusalem. And if it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. So he's saying this, so when I come, I don't want to have this big fundraising campaign. I want you guys to do that on your own. But, but then when I get there, I can authorize it and, and you can send it by whoever you want. If you want me to go with them, I'd be glad to go with them to Jerusalem um, just to, to make sure that they would receive the gift. And, and in our text today, we see that Paul was indeed advised to go along with them to Jerusalem and again, there's God's directing Paul's step to visit Jerusalem before he went to Rome. He, he wanted to go to Rome, but the church in Corinth said, no, Paul, we want you to go to Jerusalem and hand deliver this gift to make sure that it gets there. So that's 
Him, him, him uh, planning his way and God directing his steps. And when you read through the book of Acts, you can see that. You can read of, of Paul's journey to Jerusalem. Listen to Acts chapter 19, verse 21. It says this, Paul resolved in the Spirit to pass through Macedonia and Greece, I'm sorry, pass through Macedonia and Achaia, and go to Jerusalem saying, after I've been there, I must also see Rome. That, Luke wrote that in, uh, in Acts 19, verse 21, exactly the travel, travel itinerary of our text this morning. And if you trace then through Acts chapter 20, you can see how he was, he was traveling through Macedonia and Greece near, near Corinth, and he gathered monies collected by the saints for those in Jerusalem. And throughout Acts 20, you see him heading towards Jerusalem. And in fact, in heading towards Jerusalem, he was, he was sailing by Ephesus. And he loved the people in Ephesus. He was a pastor there for three years. He instructed them to them in the ways of the Lord. And uh, we, we read in verse 16 that Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus. So he might have, not have to spend time in, in Asia. For he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. See, his, his love for Ephesus was so great. He knew that, that if, if he stopped and went to Ephesus... The, the town vortex w- would keep him, and he would be there for too long. He'd miss Pentecost in Jerusalem. But he wanted to get to Jerusalem for Pentecost because that's when Jews from all around gathered together to, um, to, to worship the Lord. And so what he did is he stopped on the coast at Miletus, called the elders down just to see him briefly before he went on. And the poor in Jerusalem were on his mind. He ended his talk with the elders, these words, Acts twenty thirty five, In all these things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Meaning that he says, I'm wanting to give. And I think he could have said, hey guys, I'm living that out right now. In fact, I have a big wad of cash on me that's going to help the Jews in Jerusalem. And maybe he didn't say that because he may have been robbed if he was known that he was carrying all this, all this cash and all this good for, for those in Jerusalem. We don't know, but, but God is concerned about the poor and so should we. You know, I think about a, a week and a half ago, I attended the annual fundraising banquet for the Pregnancy Care Center in Rockford. Uh, thank you, Amanda. You're here for all the work you did. You did a lot. Armin did a lot of work. Thank you for that. Um, but I just thought about how, how the ministry to Pregnancy Care Center is much like Paul's mission to the Jews. The, the, the Pregnancy Care Center care for women who find themselves in unexpected pregnancies with nowhere else to turn. Um, and often these women, with nowhere else to turn, come from poverty. And so to help them is really a, to offer pregnancy care center support is to help the poor. Because they offer all their services free of charge. And it only exists because of the generosity of people to give. God has a heart for the poor. And he encourages us to give to the poor as well. However, if you look closely here at Romans 15, you can see that Paul isn't just the poor in general. This isn't like welfare for all. These are certain people in Jerusalem. In verse 26, look what he says. For Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. These are the Christians in Jerusalem. When there were needy people among them, these were believers in Jesus. I mean, Jerusalem wasn't the most friendly place for Christians. Stephen had been stoned there. We, we almost got to that today in, in Acts chapter 7. He's going to soon say, you stiff-necked people uncircumcised in heart and ears, you're always resisting the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. And he got him stoned and put to death because of his, his bold confrontation. 
And, and it was a difficult place for, for Christians. And uh, Paul was giving then to these Christians who were in need. And, and, and I, just, I just say with us, right? When there are needy people among us, we ought to be willing to help. Those in Rome were willing. We see at the beginning of verse 27 how they were pleased to do it, right? They were pleased to give their contribution. And those in Macedonia and Achaia weren't known for their riches. In fact, it even says in 2 Corinthians how they gave out of their poverty because they understood the grace of God. They were, were poor, but they were happy to do that. They were delighted to do that. And in fact, they'd given exactly as Paul had directed them. Paul took great care to instruct people how it is to give. He said in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, spending two chapters on this offering that he would take to Jerusalem to that he would collect to take to them uh, in Jerusalem. He even said this, chapter 2 Corinthians 9, verse 1, it's superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. I, I've written this over and over and over again. Like, like telling you all this is just, it's superfluous. You know all about this offering. We've been telling you about it, telling you about it, telling you about it. But he did anyway. And he was clear to the Corinthians how they ought to give. He says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And this is how those in Jerusalem gave their gift. They gave their gift cheerfully. They were pleased to give it. That's how we ought to give as well. Right? When we see needs of others, we ought to give generously, we ought to give willingly. And the promise that God gives is that you'll never lack. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As it is written, He has distributed freely and has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. In other words, it's good for you to give. It's good for you to be other-centered. Even this week, a podcast that I subscribe to are TED Talks Daily, just a TED Talk every day. This is about three or four days ago. I subscribed to a, a TED Talk that talked about the, just on the merely human terms, the benefits of giving. Those who give are far happier than those who don't give. Giving to meet specific needs for specific people. It just makes us happy. It, it helps us. We are blessed. And that's God's grace abounding. It's a, it's a rule. It's a law. It's a moral law in the universe. Is that those who give and are others focused will be happier upon the earth. Those who are selfish will be uh, not as happy. And it's totally secular, not Christian at all. And that's basically what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, is to give willingly, and God's grace will abound on you immensely. But Paul continues in Romans 15 with a a theological reason why particularly to help the saints in Jerusalem. Look at verse 27. He says this, For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. That is, right, these Christians in Macedonia and Achaia owe it to the Jews, he says, for if the Gentiles have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they ought also to be of service to them in their material blessings. See, the, the contributions of the Macedonians and Achaeans to the poor in Jerusalem wasn't merely philanthropy. It wasn't merely because of, of Christian love or it wasn't merely out of the goodness of their hearts to a needy people. No, Paul said they had a debt that they owed to the Jews. Um, Jesus said to the woman at the well, salvation is from the Jews. And, and, and Paul knew this was true as well. He said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. See, salvation comes through the Jews, by the Jews. Salvation came to the world, think about this, by a Jewish Messiah. 
who fulfilled the promises that God gave to the Jews, but fulfilled them even more to extend those promises now to the Gentiles. The salvation blessings that we know and enjoy all become because of the promises of God to the Jewish people. In this way, Paul says, the Gentiles owe it to the Jews. And it's right there, right for us. I think it's right for us even today to support the Jews. Yes, they are apostate. Yes, they are opposing, resisting God. But as Paul said in Romans 11, there will be a day when revival breaks out and all Israel will be saved. Because the salvation that we have is from the Jews. Our Old Testament is the Jewish Bible. So there's every reason for us to support the Jews from them that our salvation comes. However, right, for us today, as, as Christians in America, I think probably the best application or better application is this, is to share your material blessings with those who have given you spiritual blessings. I think that's just it's a generalized way to say this, right? That, yes, we have received our spiritual blessings from the Jews, but for those who specifically have helped you spiritually, you ought to share with them materially. And that's where helping the needy among the church really works itself out. Because the church, we have every opportunity to, spare, to share spiritual blessings with one another. As we pray with one another. As we pray for one another. As we encourage one another. As we share the scriptures with one another. As we serve alongside one another. As we love one another. There are spiritual blessings that come. And as those spiritual blessings come, then they, they kind of build up this, this reservoir or this debt. Where when there's a need the material blessings can flow over and can help. And even as Paul said in verse 27, right, the Gentiles have come to share spiritual blessings. They ought to be also of service to them in material blessings. You, you, could, you could modify this this way in verse 27. He says, for if you've come to share spiritual blessings from anyone because they are a brother or sister in Christ, you ought also to be of service to them in material blessings as well. You know, a great application is college students going out on missions trips each summer. Uh, if you're anything like me, you receive a handful of support letters every year requesting supports for college students to, to go out and spend a, a portion of their summer in a, in a foreign land. And uh, I know you're doing that, Nathan. And Eva Gishel, is she here right now? Anna, Anna Gishel, you're doing that too? Like, I've not received a letter from you yet or anything like that, but not, not that I... Have we? Oh, we have. I'm sorry. I have. <laughs> Receive a handful of, of letters, right? Receive, receive some from my nieces. And, and our habit is to just support and help. Um, because right, these trips from college students are, are encouraging to me. They, they encourage me that young people have a zeal. They want to give a portion of their summer, right, to, to go out to other people. And, and the deans, I think also Rachel's going this summer, right? Is she? No? Maybe not. Okay, in the city. Somewhere. Well, anyway, right, kids are, are, are eager for this, and it's basically the same idea here, is that kids, when they grow up and they're spiritually attuned, when they're zealous for Christ, because these are the only ones normally who, who go out and do these sorts of things, it's encouragement to you. Spiritually, you can receive spiritual blessings back, and it's your obligation in many ways to share the material blessings to others. That's what Paul's saying about those in Jerusalem. They receive, they, they've received spiritual blessings from them, Hand them back financial blessing. This might also go to, to others. Um, perhaps those on the internet who have been helpful to you. If you're encouraging, if you're being helped spiritually by them, financially it's helpful to support those types of ministries. Right? Whenever something helps you, 
or, or say they ministered, Mishalaks, right? If they, they've helped you, they've ministered to you in the past, then that's, that's helpful. Help them financially so they can go on, on their way. In fact, the very reason why Paul's plan to, to visit Rome is so that he can be financially supported and helped to go on to Spain. And, and that's our, our third point this morning is visiting Spain. We see Paul's plan to visit Rome. Before he gets there, he's going to Jerusalem. But when he gets to Rome, it's only going to be for a stop because his greater plan is, is for Spain. See that in verses 28 and 29. He says, When therefore I have completed this and have delivered to them what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. Now, by way of you doesn't necessarily mean that, that, that Rome is on the road to Spain because it's not on the road to Spain. If you're going to go to Spain, right, you're going up, up and over right, the Mediterranean. You've got to go down into Rome and then back up again. It's not on the road. And it's not even so much on, on, on the boat travel route. I mean, you, you would have to make a little bit of a diversion to go uh, to Rome. But it's a bit like flying, right? If you're flying Delta and you're flying from Chicago to New York, you could easily go through Atlanta, right? And if you're flying American, you might fly through Dallas-Fort Worth on your way out. Wherever the hubs are, kind of everything comes in there. And that's a similar what it may have been by Rome. But, but Paul isn't talking about boat schedules here. He's talking about the help that he will get from those in Rome. I'm going to go there by way of you, through you, to be helped by you. That's verse 24. I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and to be helped on my journey there by you once I've enjoyed your company for a while. That is, I trust that you will partner with me in the gospel. I covet your prayers. I appreciate your financial support. I'd love for you to help connect me with people in Rome or people in Spain who I, I don't know about. I, I, I'd love to have help with a language. I, I'd gladly accept any supplies you can help on my mission. And that's what he means. I hope to be helped on my journey there by you. And, and in this way, Paul's letter to the Romans is a missionary support letter. He wrote those to those in Rome, telling them of the gospel that he's eager to preach, telling them how he plans to take this gospel of, of sin and salvation and sanctification and security and sovereignty and service, take this gospel to Rome, or to Spain, rather, where Christ has never been preached, re- requesting help in his mission than to take it on beyond. And that's why when I began preaching Romans three years ago, as we've been working through Romans, um, I placed a large emphasis here on this chapter, chapter 15, verse 22 and following. And 24 really is a key verse in all of Romans. Box it around. It's a key verse because it tells you what, what Paul is seeking to do. It's the key to understanding the book of Romans, that it's all about gospel outreach. It's not about just theological intake to know what salvation It's about gospel intake that gospel outtake might take place. It's a missionary support letter. That's why I read to you at the beginning of the service from... From Tim Michelek. Now, it takes different forms of what Paul did and, and what Tim is doing, certainly. And, and the letter is, is different, but his letter basically is seeking financial help. And that's what verse 24 is talking about. He's talking about financial help from the people in Rome so that he can get to Spain. And so that you know, um, we're supporting Tim Michelek on this one-time expense he has we're giving him five thousand dollars just to help him get out and get to thailand for this first year uh, really because he has helped us spiritually i mean if, if you have any youth here you know the fruit of his help at uh, the youth retreat has been a great help there um, he's preached here on a couple of occasions he has served as an encouragement to me 
Um, we're friends with, with uh, uh, the Red Brick Church in Stillman Valley. Right? There's been some spiritual, uh, whatever, help there. And so we're just responding financially as well. And that's what Paul was seeking to do in Rome, get financial help as he goes on to Spain. And he's confident that they would help him. Verse 29, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. They'll help him not only physically, but spiritually as well. I love what Paul says in the beginning of Romans in chapter 1, 11 and 12. He speaks about this spiritual dynamic. He says, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Sort of, a, sort of a, a give and take, this mutual edification and encouragement. Paul is coming, verse 11 of chapter 1, to give them some spiritual gift. To, to strengthen them, to minister to them spiritually. Because he's expecting some material blessing back to help them keep going. But it's not just a one-way street. He says in verse 12, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Both yours and mine. Like, I'm going to encourage you. You're going to encourage me. we got this partnership going. And I think a little bit like Tim Michelek, that's where it is. got this partnership going. But, but he's, he's the goer. You know, see, there are givers and goers in this life. Not everyone's called to be a goer. My message this morning isn't be like Paul and go. My message this morning is to understand Paul's plan, understand God's sovereignty. And if you're going to stay, be a giver. And if you're going to go, go for it. That's what, what Paul is, is seeking to do. Let's move on to my last point, verses 30 through 33. Paul's going to visit Rome, but he's going to go to Jerusalem first, and then he's going to go on to Spain, and now a command, verse 4. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf, that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints So that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. Paul said, I'm praying. And I appeal to you in Rome to pray with me and to pray for me. That's the appeal. Verse 30, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit. Right, Just our common bond that we have in Jesus. By the common bond that we have in the Spirit. I want you to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf. Paul's praying these things. And he says, I want you to join me in my prayers. So he's not asking people to pray for things he's not praying for. He's praying to get to Spain. He says, I want you to pray with me to get to Spain. That's exactly what the Michelex, right? If you can't give financially right now, at least you can pray for us. Whether or not you're in a position to contribute financially in the short term, we covet your prayers for our long-term ministry. And they're praying for their ministry and just saying, come and join us and be involved in, in praying for me as well. And Paul knew here that, that his greatest need in all of his plans was prayer. He knew that unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. He knew that apart from the blessing of God, he would never get to Rome, much less even get to Spain. Right? So he prays and he asks those in Rome to join him in prayers. It's interesting, his prayers demonstrate some of his situation as well, his, his fears, if you will. Verse 31 Here's what they're to pray, that I may be delivered, I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. So he's praying for this gift, right? Imagine that praying for this gift that I go to Jerusalem and I may give this gift that they might accept it, that it would be helpful to them, that God would be pleased with this gift that I bring. 
but also even he prays here for deliverance from the unbelievers, particularly the unbelievers in Judea. He knew of the hotbed of Christ, uh, that, that the Jews were against Christianity, and he knew that he was going right into the devil's den. And he knew how difficult it was going to be, and he's praying for deliverance from the unbelievers, and his greatest fear became a reality. When he went right there into Jerusalem, into the temple, the Jews mobbed and arrested him. It took the Roman cohort to protect him from being killed to death right there in the temple grounds or taken right out of the temple grounds and stoned to death as, as Stephen was. He was arrested in the temple, falsely accused. While he was in prison, the Jews tried to kill him. There were, there were um, about 40 Jews who made a plot and they bound themselves by an oath neither to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. So Paul was sitting in prison. These 40 guys are going to ambush the prison. Ambush the prisoner, go in, take, uh, be vigilantes, take justice into their own hands and kill Paul. And uh, then just through a relationship of Paul that got known to the, the Roman tribune. And uh, then as he understood what was going on in the middle of the night, the third hour of the night. Uh, so I'm not sure when that was exactly. Um, middle of the night sometime, picture midnight. 200 soldiers with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen to escort Paul to Caesarea. So he was delivered from those in Judea, but delivered into the the Roman hands. And he was there. He was kept in Caesarea in custody by Felix, the governor, kept in prison for two years, after which Felix was succeeded by Festus, who kept him in, in prison as well. And finally, he brought him before Herod Agrippa and said, you understand the Jewish faith? Can, can, you, uh, can you help us with this? And, and then when he stood before Festus and Agrippa, he thought he was going to be delivered over to Judea, and he thought he was going to die at the hand of the Jews. And he said, I appeal to Caesar. And so then he says, you appeal to Caesar, to Caesar you must go. And where is Caesar? He's in Rome. And so he's going to Rome. Not quite like he expected. He's going on a ship as a prisoner rather than going as a first-class passenger. He made it to Rome, not quite like he had planned. His plan was to come willingly with joy. He said, verse 32, he wanted to be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, which he was, but he was... Not, but the, 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 the Romans in Caesarea. But he, his desire was, verse 32, so that, and here is again, God's will, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. Again, that's like Romans one twelve. this fellowship, this interaction. I'll build you up, you build me up. I want to be refreshed in your company. But God had other plans. Man plans his way. God directs his steps. And his, directs, his, his, his uh, steps this time that God directed by, by God for was to be on a slave, a captured prisoner on, on a ship. He wanted to go to Rome of his own accord, but, Paul, but God brought him there as a prisoner. But you know, good news is this. He was able to preach the gospel in Rome. Uh, not in the synagogue as he had imagined. Not in a church or a house like he had imagined. But he was preaching the gospel in house arrest. In fact, the book of Acts ends like this in Acts 28, verse 30 and 31. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Now, he brought the gospel to Rome, but you know what? We don't know if he ever made it to Spain. Church history would, would say no. 
that he was beheaded there in Rome. He had his longing to be to Spain. He, he never got there, but Acts doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't really tell us. Maybe intentionally leaves us hanging a little bit, like Jonah. Like, what happened to Jonah? Or like the older son of the prodigal son story. What happened to him? We can just be left wondering, what, what happened to Paul? But without any doubt, Paul's heart and his passion, his plans were to go and to preach the gospel where Christ had never been named. And he, he longed to go. He made his plans, but God directed his steps, and he was praying and trusting the Lord all the way through them. And I think that's what we ought to do as well, right? When, when we understand what, what we can go or what we can do, we ought to make our plans, trusting the Lord that he's going to direct our steps in an appropriate way. And as we think also about missions at Rock Valley Bible Church, we think about giving, right? When people have served you spiritually, help materially, right? When, when people are going missions, be like, be like the church at Rome, ready and willing to help support others on their way to accomplish the good. I think about the, the Micheleks going to Thailand, right? And just how, how dark it is, right? 1% Christian, 98% Buddhist, and he's got an opportunity on the Buddhist dime to teach and preach to the students who come in about Christianity because they want to learn his English. So they learn English and teach them about Christianity as well. It's going to be a light in a dark world, just like Paul wanted to do in Spain. And hopefully, by God's will, the Micheleks will get to Thailand and uh, we'll hear reports back in years to come of what good God does in that place. So let's pray. Oh God, you move in mysterious ways, your wonders to perform. You plant your footsteps in the sea and you ride upon the storm. Deep in unsearchable minds of never-failing skill, his treasures, he treasures up his bright design and works his sovereign will. Father, just thank you for the sovereign will that you worked in the Apostle Paul. God, to, to use him in great ways, this blasphemer and persecutor and violent aggressor who hated you and who hated the church of Jesus Christ and yet you invaded his life, struck him blind, God, so he would come and see the light of the gospel, the glory of God in the face of Christ. And then with, with unbounded zeal, working harder than any other of the apostles, God, he went forth and proclaimed Christ boldly. Father, thank you for your mysterious ways of how you do that. And even today, you may be preparing God's strongest enemies of the gospel today. God, who you turn and convert, and they become strength for tomorrow. God, who will boldly proclaim Christ where Christ has never been named. And Father, I would pray that the fearful saints' fresh courage we would take, for the clouds we so much dread are big with mercies and will break in blessings on your head. Father, may we trust in your sovereign will that we will make our plans, God, but you'll direct our steps. And you have our good in mind. The promises of, uh, of Romans 8.28 is that you cause all things to work together for good. To those who love you, who are called according to your purpose. And our purpose and plans, we don't know the future, God, but you do. And you have it wrapped up around your hand of sovereignty. May we be found willing and going, desiring to bring the gospel, God, to those around us. That they might hear and be saved. God, as they hear of the, the love of Christ, it's been shed out. Uh, shed abroad for our sins. God, help us to be bold in this. God, thank you for the lessons you have uh, with us, for us, in the Apostle Paul. God, may we know our part as, as goers or givers, God, for the glory of Jesus. We also pray just for the, the time we'll have to honor the ladies. I, I, feel they, I pray that they would feel honored and blessed as we serve them and they eat first and they enjoy a, a hearty breakfast. God, may it be a time of great fellowship together today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.